Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Blessing Place Wesley Chapel. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at our gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org. You know, last month, um, Caleb at the Tampa campus preached a message on Father's Solution. And I shared how, or Caleb shared how there are great leaders who show the way, but fathers lead the way, go the way. Fathers walk the walk with the sons and daughters and be with them. There's a call of the church to father the next generation because more than ever, we are living in a fatherless generation. Statistically, it's scary. Um, how many children don't have fathers at home? I mean, it's like 43%, if I remember the statistics last week, are living without fathers at home. We know for various reasons, whether families are divorced, born out of wedlock, situations. But more than ever, we are seeing this generation rise or raised up without fathers. And so when we talk about fathers, it doesn't always bring up positive view, outlook. When we mention God is the almighty father or the loving father, it doesn't always bring good memories because father could be a negative memory for some. Maybe there was abuse, problem. Um, So I recognize that it may be hard to relate. And unless we know the love of God the Father, there is something called the orphan spirit. Where we are in the spirit, fatherless, and that's the orphan spirit. And there's, there's symptoms to that. A, a child, I was reading some statistics, I'm going off tangent here. A, a child who grows up without knowing the love of the father tries to prove their value to the world by performance, by what they do, how they look, or how good they are. There's a lot of things where they hate themselves because they have, haven't they really experienced love. There is so much psychological ramification for the fatherless, but there's also a spiritual ramification for those who don't know the father God's love. So tonight, I want to look at a familiar story that you guys probably all know about. It's, also, it's known as the prodigal son or the story of the two sons, depending on your Bible and how they give you that. You probably know the story, but people know this story based on this son and his wild living. When I read the story, it's the love of the father that really resonates. And I want to just take a look at that story and to bring to your attention what happens. What happens with the orphan spirit or also the father's love and what that looks like. Okay? So we join with me Luke 15. I'm going to have that for you overhead. Luke 15 starting at verse 11 through 24. Um, I'm going to be reading from the English Standard Version for you because this is the parable, one of the parables that Jesus told. Okay? And he said this. Uh, There was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them 
said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of the country who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pots that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. Let me stop there in the pausing of the story. To recap, there's two sons in the story. The younger son goes to the father, says, give me a portion of my inheritance. Now, I don't know who does that because inheritance is for the after the deceased of the father deceased. But he asked boldly, give me a portion of my inheritance now. Okay. Two things come to mind. One, younger siblings get away with anything. Okay. <laughs> but two, he had the audacity to ask his father the portion of his inheritance. What that tells me is this is not the first time he came to dad and he goes, dad, give me something. The context of this story is that, you know, he lived in a nice, comfortable home. He had servants. The, the father probably had wealth. Um, he probably lived comfortably. He was a young sibling, and he was used to being comfortable enough to ask his dad, Dad, give me this. The dad gave it to him. Dad, give me that. He gave it to him. So there's a habitual thing going on. That even the, even the big thing as give me a portion of the property of the inheritance. Okay? So he's a younger He's a punk. <laughs> and he asked because he was used to and comfortable enough to ask his dad this. Maybe they had a good relationship. I don't think it was a fallout. But he had a pretty good dad, and he was comfortable enough to even ask such a thing. When people look at the prodigal story, they look at the son's squandering away of how he lived. But I see this angle where I think the son wasn't necessarily so much a punk that I, I say he was, but maybe he was trying to make an identity for himself, which I totally relate. I mean, in, straight out of college, I'm like trying to make it in business world, and I wanted others to see me as one who made success. I mean, that was my pursuit, so I totally get when this young man says, it takes money to make money, Dad. Give me some of your estate so I can go off and try to make it on my own. You guys with me so far? Maybe he schmoozed some um, you know, business people, squandering away. That word squandering is not necessarily waste, but it's lavishly spending. He maybe wined and dined the local business people. But then a famine happened. What does that mean? The bear market. Market crashed. Famine in the agricultural time is economic crash. You can't find a job during that time. 
So it's like he invested his money to wine and dine and try to earn business, and all of a sudden, economy collapse. Okay? Worst situation. So what does he do? He gets whatever job he could, and that is to feed the pigs. That's what I see here. So this is my own young mind that I kind of relate because that's what I did. <laughs> so the son, so before I go further, let me ask you a question. The son is going through a difficult time. He's barely making it. He's suffering. He's feeding the pigs, and he's longing to eat what the pigs are eating. I mean, that's lowest of the low. Do you think his father ever wanted him to experience this difficulty in his life because he squandered his wealth away? Okay. I ask that just to be on the same page because sometimes when people go through difficulties, they think it's because I have hurt daddy or I wronged my dad. His property. You, you guys with me? I ask that just to make sure that we're on the same page here. You've got to be a pretty evil dad to want your son to go through difficulties like this. Okay. All right. So the son coming to his senses realizes his condition. This is the lowest of the low. And so he comes to this thought in verse 17. When he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough to enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. I will rise, go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your servant. Treat me as one of your hired servants. That's his thought. He's at the lowest of the low. He messed up. He acknowledged he sinned against heaven, and he sinned against his father. He makes a decision. I'm going to go and repent. I'm going to ask for apology, uh, for forgiveness. And then, then he says, I'm going to ask to be considered not a son, but a hired servant. Here is his thinking, which is like most people. When we do wrong, we think we deserve the lower. When we do wrong against someone or situation, we deserve, we need to demote ourselves. That is the orphan spirit. The orphan spirit says, I don't deserve to be the child. I deserve to be a servant. I am no longer the identity that I was born into because I'm not good enough. I demote myself to be a servant slave because I have sinned against my own father. That's the orphan spirit. Orphan spirit saying, I don't deserve it. I hate myself. And I don't deserve the good things. Orphan spirit chooses to punish themselves because they think less of themselves. Continuing verse 20. So he decides to go in verse 20. He goes, he arose and came to his father. But while he was still, still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and 
embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servant, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his finger hand and shoes on his feet. And bring the fattened calf and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate. For this is... This my son was dead, is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. So the son had two parts to his plan. One, to go ask for forgiveness. And two, to ask to be considered hired hand, less than his own identity. Because he's no longer worthy of being a son. Just, I, I just want to be a hired person. What happened? He goes to the father, he repents, apologizes. But before he could even finish, father, put me as your higher servant. Before he could even ask, the father restored his identity in love. Embraced him. He kissed him. Before the son could even ask, the father is doing all this lavish love giftings beyond his expectation. But look at what he was doing. One, he asked, bring the best robe. That best robe, that should give you the, sort of the Joseph and the colorful robe, the idea. The robe is like the attire that sets you apart. That Everybody sees you wearing the robe and you're like, yeah, there's some royalty. He looks good, right? He, he doesn't look like a hired hand. Louis Vuitton or I don't know those brand names, so I can't even... Chanel, if guys wear, wear Chanel's, I don't know. Custom clothes. It looked like custom clothing. The best robe to be put on him. What about a ring on his hand? It's a signet ring. Signet ring is, has the signature of the family authority that goes and you are authorized to make decisions and make contracts on behalf of the father. That's the identity of your son, not a servant. And then shoes on his feet. Wealthy people wear shoes. The poor servants go barefooted. When I went on a mission trip to Philippines and Thailand and remote places in Mexico, I noticed that many villagers go barefooted because shoes are expensive. It's a norm. They do work, play, barefooted. I, I took a team of uh, college students who used to always complain to me how broke they are. You know, college students, they're always broke. Yeah. I took a team there, and they're playing basketball with the local Filipinos, barefooted, on court. And these kids who think that they're broke are wearing $150 Nikes. And they realize how not broke they are. Living in the United States, I don't know any of you guys. Raise your hand if anybody owns just one pair of shoes. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> shoes serve functions, but it's also we recognize in our culture status. Some sneakers by who's that? Kanye West is like five, ten thousand dollars. Sneakers. Okay, I don't understand that. 
actually, I heard the otherwise. That anyways, but that's something else. The father did not stop there. He's like, put on the robe, put on the ring, put on the shoes. His whole wardrobe and outer appearance and symbol is that he's of the son identity. But he says, no, we're going to celebrate. Bring the fattened calf, a.k.a. Kobe beef, Wagyu steak. Come on. This is like the richest beef you could buy at that time. Quality meat. The father goes way over the top. We're going to celebrate big here because my son who was lost is found. He has returned. Man, that, that's love. Bring the fattened calf. Man, that, that's love. That's all I can say. Father's love is extravagant. It's over the top. No matter where he's been, no matter what he's done, he gives generously, over the top, extravagantly, beyond expectation. Beyond expectation. The son, I, I could hear him trying to interrupt the giving. But, but that, but no, he's just giving gift after gift. And calling upon his servants to bring the fattened calf to celebrate. Because that's the love of the father who gives above and beyond extravagantly. And this was difficult to understand for the older son who came from the field. The story goes, if you read, he comes from the field, probably from working all day. He hears the music and the dancing. And he's like taking the prize. What's the occasion? He asks the servants what's going on. They tell him, your brother came back, and we're having a party with fattened calf. And what he did after is very revealing because he refused to go in. What does that say? Anger? It's not fair. Because the father had to come out to talk to him. And, and this is what the father said. Luke 15, 31, and he said to him, son, you are always with me. All that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. Consider this. The son refused to go in. His brother came back, but he couldn't celebrate. Why? Because he didn't think it was fair. Because we're conditioned to know what's fair, isn't it? You work hard, you get rewarded. If you don't work, you don't. If you squander away, you reap the consequences. He worked all day in the field. He's been with the daddy all his life, being faithful. And he was never offered a Wagyu steak. Not fair. That punk squandered away your portion of the estate. He comes back. What do you do? He give him what you don't not fair. You guys ever seen little kids say not fair? Of course. Junior there got two scoops. I got one. Not fair. I want what I should get. And we're conditioned to know what's fair in our world. We're conditioned all from our school system. You work hard. You get the grace. Then you get to the better schools. And you work hard. Get, 
If you don't, you fall behind. You're going to reap what you deserve. A person doesn't work, comes, all of a sudden he gets the fattened calf. Not there. But the father says, but son, all that I have is yours. It's always been yours. Think about that. The older son failed to recognize what he had. He's like, he accused the dad, you never gave me a fattened calf for my friends, and I've been with you the whole time. The father's like, it's always been yours. What does that mean? Well, there's a parallel here because Jesus, when he was telling this parable, he was talking to the Pharisees, the religious people who were so faithful, they thought, because they had worked hard, do the right things. And Jesus saying, you have an orphan spirit. You've been with a father and you didn't even know his heart. You've been performing, doing all the right things, and you just wanted the fattened calf when you had it all along. And many of us are conditional. We're conditioned to be conditional. And we have certain expectations to be conditional with our kids. I, I mean, this is not. I'm conditional with my kids. You get the grades, they get, you get rewarded. There's nothing wrong with that. Come on now. My daughter's looking at me. Yeah, that's right. I'm talking to you. And when they rebel or go, we correct them. This is the norm of our culture. This is how we think. And we think that's how God works. That's how. But Jesus is teaching something completely different. Jesus is telling this parable to reveal Father's heart. That's different from the world, different from our expectations. It's not about the performance. His love is not based on our performance, how well you work, how faithful you are, how hard you pray, how much you come to church. I measure that, but not God. Just, you know. Anyways. Glad someone's laughing about that. Okay. The religious work faithfully that the Father would reward them, whether it's fat and calf or heaven. How many religions look for the reward when they die? You know how you can tell the religious, and this just came to me, and you talk to people, and they don't look for a reward here on this earth. They look for the reward in heaven after they die. Like, what good is that? Of course we're all going to be rewarded in heaven, but come on. We can get God's reward now because it's always been with us. That reveals our relationship. You guys get that? If you have the relationship with the Father now, you know that the, his favor walks with you now. You don't have to die to get his favor. But you talk to some people and you realize, my reward is in heaven. I will suffer today. And if I'm suffering, it's because 
Father is correcting me and he's disciplining me, he's humbling me. What kind of father are you following? That's an orphan spirit because you're making out Father God to be something completely not biblical. Orphan spirit resides in the hearts of men and women who are unsure of the Father's heart. I'll work hard so that he can reward me one day with a goat. <laughs> Not literally. Come on now. But sonship realizes the inheritance is always there. It's always been there. With or without work. The reality is there is nothing we could do to make our Father God love us any more than he already does. No matter how hard you work does not make you get more love. Your lack of service does not sting you from his love. He loves you all the same. But his Father's love is over you and maxed out on you completely always. The challenge for us is whether we recognize that or not, whether we know his love or not. Because if we don't know the Father's love, it's only natural because of our conditioning by the world to try to attain that love through our acts, our service. You guys understand? It's only natural because of our conditioning. Truth is the Father's love, the Father loves us no matter what we do. A few scripture just to remind you of that. Before the creations of the world, he chose us in him to be holy and blameless in his sight. Ephesians 1.4. Uh, before you were born, the Lord knew you and had a plan for you. Jeremiah 1.5. The Lord knew you and knitted you in your mother's womb. It's Psalms 139. God demonstrated his own love for us in this while we were still sinners. That means before you did anything good. Christ died for us, Romans 5.8. Conclusion is, there's nothing we can add or subtract by our performance to our Father's love. But if you believe that you are loved because of how faithful you are, how hard you work, then you don't know the Father's love. Years ago, I heard a sermon called The Secret of John by Chris Core. It's I don't even know how many years it's been, but if you find it online, you listen to it. It's pretty good. But he, the message was this. You know, Apostle John, who wrote Revelation and the Gospel of John, he had a profound secret that other disciples did not have. Do you know what the secret is? No, not John the Baptist. Apostle John. He was loved by God. He was loved by Jesus. He referred himself in the third person. Like, who, who talks to themselves about third person? I don't know. I always thought there was only, there was a Seinfeld episode about that. Uh, who talks about themselves in the third person? But John did. And this is what he said about himself. The one Jesus loved. He wrote the gospel and alluding to whenever he shows up in the story, because the one whom Jesus loved. Yeah. 
But he, but. So well, let me ask: Did Jesus love John more than any of the other disciples? No. But John knew how he was loved by Jesus, and that was a secret. Consider this: He was the only one. He was so secure in the love of Jesus. That when Jesus was being crucified, he was the only one. Only disciple there. He was the one that Jesus entrusted his mother to. John knew. He was so secure in his identity and the love of Jesus. Like, you guys ever seen people who portray their identity? by what they do or on their business card. It, it reveals their value system. Like if you see people wanting to show off their acronyms on their, you know, before or after their name, it reveals their identity. What should I call you? They would let you know. Right? There are people, you see what's important to them by how they identify themselves and how they want to be known by others. John's like, I want to be known as the one Jesus loved. Because when he knew the love of Jesus, he knew he didn't have to perform. He knew he didn't have to work extra hard to earn his love. He's like, I'm loved. I'm good. From love, he served. From love, he worked the miracles. Yeah. Why does knowing how much Jesus loves you matter more than how much you love Jesus? We say we love Jesus. But why is knowing that we are loved by Jesus more important than we love Jesus? Because I want you to consider this. If love is a verb, it's what we do. When we say we love Jesus... It's to say, I am giving action, verb, to Jesus, and my identity is based on my action? No, that's law, where we are measured by our performance of what we do. But if our identity is based on Jesus loving us, then it's not about what we do, it's what he did. That's grace. You guys see the difference here? Our Christian identity is based on how much Jesus loves me or how much he loves you. It's not about what I do or what we do for him. It's not about how much we love him. He might appreciate that, but that doesn't get you to any more love or any more security or any more add to your own identity. It's whether we know his beloved. It's not the truth that sets you free, but the knowledge of the truth that sets you free. The question is, do you know how much you are loved by the Father that will set you free? I had a pastor friend, well, I have a pastor friend who authored a book um, that talks about this subject of the Father's love, Father God's love. And years ago, he he told a story, and it's in his book, that on his business card, he wrote his name and DLB. And people, well, it's kind of interesting because 
this pastor, he's this big Italian fellow. I mean, we're talking tall with muscle. Well, not so much muscle. He looked like Santa Claus now. But, um, <laughs> but imagine an Italian guy, and he was invited to speak on the Father's love all around the world on, just on this subject. So he wrote a book. He was, even went to Korea many times uh, teaching and preaching about this subject. And he told how on his business card, he wrote his name, Vince Mercadante, DLB. And people would ask, what's DLB? And he says, well, he told a story. When he was struggling to know his own identity and he was crying out to God, God, I don't even know who I am anymore. He says, you're my little boy. So he wrote, daddy's little boy. Once he recognized that he was daddy's little boy, it changed his life. Because he was no longer trying to find or figure out his identity. But when he knew his identity, everything changed. And that was significant because all around him, people who came to him were a lot of doctors and PhDs and the highly academic. And they were profound with DLB. They realized all their PhD acronyms did not matter to the DLB. Yeah. So the question is, whether it says on your business card or not, do you know that you're daddy's little girl? Daddy's little boy. Do you know that? Because unless you know the value of your identity in the Father, can you be set free? I guarantee many of you guys are trying to make an identity for yourself, as I did. That was a tough road. Trying to make an identity for myself based on my business cards or my achievements. And it's only natural because of the conditioning of this world in our 20s and the 30s. But if you know the love as God's beloved, it will change your life if you know his love. The secret that the Apostle John discovered and knew dictated his whole identity, that he was loved. He did not have to perform. He did not have to prove his worth. He, did, he knew he was loved. And here's why that matters. Because this world is cruel. This world is always trying to tell you what you're worth based on your performance, what you do, how well you look, or whatever it is. And if you do not perform up to their expectation, they spit you out and say, you're not good enough. And you will always wonder, question your own identity of what you're worth, unless you know the Father's love. Unless you are secure in your identity before all of this conditioning of what this world says to you. I, I confess that there were times that I was discouraged. There were times that the world had told me, man, you do not measure up. You are not good enough. You are not smart enough. You don't perform. You missed your quota or whatever it was. world has their way of measuring you. And there were times I did not want to get up. I said, God, do you love me? The world says I don't measure up. Do you love me? He says, I love you. And that gave me the strength. Unless you know you are loved, 
and you have your identity, it doesn't matter what the world says. You need that security of who you are in Jesus, in God. A.W. Tozer said the most important thing about you is what you think about God. And to a degree, I believe our theology proper is imperative. Like we need to know what the Bible of who he is, okay, what we think about God. But I love how C.S. Lewis challenged Tozer's statement by saying the most important thing about you is what God thinks about you. The most important thing about you is what God thinks about you. And he thinks you're worth dying for. He loves you. He came to save you. He loved you so much. He left his throne in heaven to come in form of a servant to die on the cross for your sins. Because he thinks you're worth every drop of his blood. Sometimes we struggle with what we think of ourselves, what the world thinks about us, and what God thinks about us. There's a tension and differences. We can't, our feelings will shift like the wind. What's secure is who we are and the identity that God gave you. You gotta know that. You are, if you believe Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, sons and daughters of the living God, of the King and uh, King of kings and Lord of lords. And he says, you are my son. You are my daughter. I love you. You are my heirs and co-heirs with Christ, my own son. There is no greater title. There is no greater identity. You got to know this truth. Because there will be a time when you don't feel good about yourself. There will be times that you feel like you don't measure up. But you got to know the Father's love. Because the orphan spirit says, I don't deserve that where the Father will bless you, wants to bless you extravagantly. There are times that we will go through life's difficulty and we think, Father's punishing me and disciplining me and keeping me humble. Come on. That's not our Father, God. That's a Father of lies. But not our Father in heaven. Because He loves you and wants to bless you. Amen? Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Blessing Place Wesley Chapel. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at our gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org.